The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and we are coming at you after another Chicago Bears victory, 3-1 at the quarter pole. Excellent chance now to go 4-1 with the Raiders on a neutral site across the pond in London. We are going to talk about that game in detail with ESPN's Jason Fitz. You hear him all over ESPN Radio, ESPNU. Great broadcaster, great radio host, and he is a Raiders fan. So I want to dive into the head of a Raiders fan who saw Khalil Mack get shipped out of town, who saw the Antonio Brown debacle unfold in front of his eyes. We as Bears fans, I think, enjoy dissing John Gruden. I don't know if there's, other than maybe beating the Packers, I don't know if there's more joy right now other than Bears victories than just making fun of John Gruden and gift wrapping Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. So we're going to talk to Jason Fitz about the Raiders, what to expect in that game. We're going to get into a bunch of things with Jason. So looking forward to that. Also going to be joined by Frank Caliendo. Going to have some laughs with Frank. We'll get a little John Gruden impersonation. We'll have some fun. I love Frank Caliendo. He's a lot of fun. And we are going to have some fun with him about this Chicago Bears-Oakland Raiders matchup and just kind of his whole view on the sports world. He's a lot of fun, so looking forward to that. But before we get into the guests, let's talk a little bit about the game here against the Minnesota Vikings. Look, it was a great win. There was a lot of adversity going into that game here. We, we Mitch Trubisky getting hurt very early in that game. Akeem Hicks not playing. Roquan Smith not playing. There was so much going on that you kind of got the feeling before the game, you're like, uh-oh. Maybe maybe this is maybe this is where they get into some trouble here. Maybe a little too much to overcome, but that Chicago Bears defense was something else. That was domination. And this Chicago Bears defense, for forget regression. We heard that that we're four games into the season now. That that idea of regression is gone. This Chicago Bears defense is legit. This team has a chance now to put together a defense combined with last year 
this year, maybe future years, they have a run now of a dominant defense, a legion of boom type run, that that dominant defense that is good enough to win you a Super Bowl. There is no question about it. Look, I do not like Nick Kwiatkowski overall. I did not want him on this roster at $2 million after he got his, his playing time boost uh, for, for his salary. I didn't want Kwiatkowski on the roster, but he stepped up and played well. Now, the one thing I'll say that's interesting, Kwiatkowski obviously started. Kevin Pierre-Lewis also got snaps on defense. Iggy got none. So while he may be a, a an asset on special teams, you really start got to wonder here. We're, we're in the year two, and we're not seeing him getting any defensive snaps. That fourth-round pick may be heading into Bustville. So let's see what happens there. But I thought that was interesting with Roquan Smith out, that we're looking at the fact that basically he is the one, two, three, four, fifth inside linebacker on this roster. So that, that that's a little sidebar here because Kwiatkowski played really well, and Nick Williams. I mean, talk about a guy who's really put in the effort. This guy has been through the ringer. He's been on different practice squads. He's Nick Williams is not a, a first or second year undrafted free agent. This guy has been around and not gotten opportunities, and he worked and worked and had his opportunities, finally started getting snaps this season with the Bears, and he has just looked fantastic. He's fighting for snaps. I mean, look, when Bilal Nichols comes back and you're you're sitting there with a defensive front with Hicks and Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols and, and Nick Williams and Roy Robertson Harris, I mean, my God, they just rotate him right through. You don't need Hicks playing 90% of the snaps. Just keep those guys fresh and just attack, attack, attack. This defense is special. I, I put out some numbers on Twitter at Zimmerman SXM earlier and this Bears defense in the last nine games, including the playoff game. So you're saying December of last year, the playoff game in the first four games this year, they're averaging less points per game than the 85 Bears gave up. Less than the 85 Bears, and they're sacking the quarterback at almost the same rate. This is a special defense. This is a Super Bowl caliber defense. This is a Super Bowl winning defense caliber defense but the problem is right now folks this offense in a word is gross i just it's gross it's it's atrocious this offense should be the worst in the nfl but thanks to the fact that the miami dolphins and new york jets the jets don't have darnold and the miami dolphins are a joke of a franchise right now purposely losing games the bears get to be 30th in offense instead of 32nd, because most years, this would be the worst offense in the NFL. It's terrible. They can't establish the run. I mean, look, stat projections or stat projections after four games, this team's on pace to throw for 3,100 yards and 16 touchdowns between Trubisky and Daniel combined. The 85 Bears, let's go back 35 years. The 85 Bears threw for 3,300 yards and 17 touchdowns. Well, that, that's not even possible. This is a pass-happy league. 4,000 yards in your sleep. This offense is terrible. Trubisky has not been good. Daniel was as good as Trubisky. That, 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 was, that was passable. The offensive line has been really bad. We've, we've talked about Kyle Long and his struggles on here. Charles Leno not having a good season. 
White Heron and and Len, or White Heron and Daniels have been okay, but this offensive line is not the offensive line we expected. And the quarterback play is at a point where it's impossible to know how well the receivers are playing because the receivers are being missed when they're open. Whether I'm not blaming Trubisky, I'm not blaming Daniel, I'm blaming the collective. I'm blaming the quarterback, I'm calling the play, the play caller, the offensive line. The offense in general is not getting the ball to the playmakers and the weapons. They're not moving the football consistently. The offense is bad. It is bad. The defense has to be fantastic week in and week out, and it basically has been. But at some point, you need to start getting first downs, holding the ball, and keeping the defense fresh. The defense is going to run out of gas. It's not going to happen this week against the Raiders. Then they get the bye week. It's not going to happen against the Saints. But when you start getting into November and December, if this defense has had to stand on its head week in and week out, eventually they are going to get in trouble. And the end of the year, that is where the Bears' schedule gets the toughest. That's when you see the Cowboys. That's when you see the Chiefs. That's when you see at Lambeau. There's a lot of those in December. The Chicago Bears' offense needs to be clicking by then to give the defense a shot here. And it's just, there's just so many things that are going wrong offensively that you just can't figure out exactly where to start. I think a big problem is the offensive line. I'm certainly not giving Trubisky a pass. Chase Daniel is exactly what he is. He can run the Matt Nagy system, run it efficiently enough as to not lose you games, which is exactly what he did. He managed the game, let the defense win the game, and the Bears came out on top. He should be able to do the same thing against the Oakland Raiders. They should get another win, have a great 4-1 record going into the bye. Then I expect Trubisky to be back against the Saints. So, I just don't know what to make of this team at the quarter pole of the season because of the fact that I don't trust the offense to get going. I'm expecting it to get better, but you certainly can't expect it. I really thought this offense had a chance to be a top 10 offense this year. It's not going to be a top 10 offense. I'd be shocked if they can become an average offense. I, I, hell, I'll, I'll take top 20 at this point. I, I'd sign up for that right now if you tell me this offense is 19th by the end of the year, because it's bad. It is bad. It is bad in all aspects. And until this offense starts clicking and scoring 20, 24, 27 points a game, not forget 34, just in the 20s, I just can't look at this team and say it's ready to really compete with the Chiefs or the Patriots or even the Cowboys and Rams, the Saints. These teams are talented, and the Bears' defense, they can win a couple of them, but they, they can't go into the playoffs and just win you three or four straight games. They just can't do it. That's asking too much. So that offense is concerning. But, look, the bottom line is right now, this defense is playing at an all-time great level. They're 3-1 and one with a great chance to go 4-1 and one into the bye. And that's all you can ask for as a Bears fan, especially coming off that loss week one to the Packers. So the team overall has recovered nicely, but there are definitely warts. They're on the offensive side of the football, and they need to figure things out. Out. All right. Well, here he is, as promised. I said it at the beginning of the podcast. We would be joined by Jason Fitz. He's at Jason Fitz on Twitter. First and last five to six. You can hear him on Golic and Window. He's he's all over the place. And he is a mean fiddle player. And he joins us now. Jason, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? 
I'm spectacular, although I don't think I'm going to be this happy on uh, on Sunday night after the, the Bears play the Raiders. But for today, I'm happy. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get to that that plenty here because I'm curious to get your take on the Raiders. But before we, we talk Raiders, which I want to do a lot here in this conversation, I'd like to get your perspective on the Bears. We'll, we'll, we'll just do it in two parts. We'll, we'll split up offense and defense. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball because I think that's more fun from the Chicago Bears fan perspective. What have you seen from the Bears defense here in the first four games? I don't know how you beat this defense, to be honest. And, and this reminds me a little bit of the 2000 Ravens where, you know, you're not going to score. You're just not going to score on this team as they get better and better. Uh, the really impressive part, too, even last week, was that even with injuries, it doesn't slow them down. I mean, Roquan Smith also obviously not playing last week still didn't slow them down. They have so much speed, and their ability to move laterally is impressive because the fact is, even when you think there are gaps, the gaps close on the offensive line. So you can't get any sort of second-level pressure. You can't get to anywhere where you can get any sort of movement out of it. I don't – I genuinely do not know – how you consistently beat this defense. And that's maybe the scariest part of them. I I expected a sort of a step back a little bit in the turnover ratio. We saw that the first few weeks. You just don't get that many turnovers year in and year out. But then they they blow up like they did with five in one game. So, you know, I don't don't know how you move the ball consistently. You got to be patient. And I think when you look at the, the Vikings, who I genuinely believe also, by the way, are a good football team. Kirk Cousins may not be a great quarterback, but they're a good football team. If Dalvin Cook can't get anything done, Man, I know that there's some issues with that offensive line, but I, I, I fear how anybody's going to be able to move the ball against the Bears long term. It, it really looks good at this point, especially when you talked about, you said Roquan Smith was out. Akeem Hicks was out too, so here you go. I'm not the biggest Nick Kwiatkowski fan in the, in the world, but he steps in nine tackles, plays great, you know, has a great game you know, against, against Cook. You know, Akeem Hicks is out. Nick Williams steps in, has a great game. And these are guys, I, I'm not saying Nick Kwiatkowski and Nick Williams should be household names that people know about, but that's what this defense is doing right now is guys are just stepping in and just playing fantastic because when you've got that much talent around you, everybody's game gets elevated. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing when you look at the talent that's around everybody, it, it really does give the freedom. When you have a lot of players that can win isolated matchups, you have a lot of players that are bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else it allows you to have a next-man-up mentality. We hear that all the time. But the fact is, if your team isn't talented, you can't be next-man-up. And that's where this this defense particularly separates itself. All right. Now, there's a lot of debate in Chicago. Offensive side of the ball, obviously a quarterback. Now, now let's put Mitch Trubisky's injury aside so you know we can't really count the vikings game here but you know he was on he's on he's been on national tv here look i think a lot of bears fans gave him the benefit of the doubt last year first year in a system the first year he had john fox and it was a bad offensive system you really didn't know what you had and he did show signs of of growing up and progressing and improving throughout the year second half especially fourth quarter against the eagles you know, per- perfect point where you sit there and say, all right, that's the Trubisky, jump off from there, grow from there, and then obviously the first few games were, were not, you know, better against the Redskins, but, but we're not so good. So from your perspective, if I said Mitch Trubisky is blank, you would say what? Andy Dalton. Ooh. And, uh, like, I don't Ooh. mean that as in the same type of player. I just mean he's going to be that type of quarterback. He's going to be that mid-level quarterback to me, and – uh you know, I think when you think about it, and I, I know we have a negative connotation about it, the fact is Mitch Trubisky doesn't make decisions fast enough, and that's what really stands out. I think we expected a, a faster decision-making process over the course of this year. We expected everything to be sort of sharper, and it hasn't been. So he takes too long to make decisions. 
when he does go there with the ball, it's not as accurate as he needs to be at times. He can move around and make plays. That's great. He can move around and do things off schedule. That's fantastic. But if you need him to stay on schedule as a quarterback, it's just so far not there. And that's the big leap we need him to take. So when I say Andy Dalton, I don't mean that he's that sort of player. I mean that the Bengals have been stuck forever because they have a decent but not great quarterback that they're just sort of labored with. And I, I, right now, if you had to ask me, if I had to bet my house on whether Trubisky ends up being great or whether he ends up being average, he ends up being average. Yeah, I think it definitely is trending more towards average than great. But, he, but the question is, with what I think, although they haven't shown it a lot because the offense has struggled, what I think is some good offensive weapons, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery has flashed, you know, Gabriel, Burton, you know, Anthony Miller, perhaps, you know, I think they have pieces in place. So if Mitch Trubisky can be Alex Smith and not, not obviously the Alex Smith with one leg, I'm talking about Alex Smith, right. his peak years with the chiefs, if he can become that, cause I think that's his ceiling. Do you think the bears can win a super bowl? I think the Bears can win a Super Bowl if he just turns out to be Trent Dilfer. And, uh, and, that, and, and that, again, I'll go back to the 2000 Ravens. This defense is so good. And you're right, they do have explosive offensive weapons. That's going to be the maddening part of it, is that there are the players that can make explosive plays. They can make big, chunk yardage plays. They should be able to move the ball easily. They're not going to do that, I don't believe, with Mitchell Trubisky. But I also don't think they're going to have to. I, I genuinely believe that he could just turn out to be a eh, quarterback and they could still win a Super Bowl this year, and they could still win a Super Bowl moving forward. Because for as much as we just talked about their defense, we left off one important thing. They're not an aging defense either. So they're going to be good for a while, and that's going to give him more opportunity to develop. So even if he's just average, they can win a Super Bowl. All right. Well, I, look, I, I like I like the way you're spinning things right now. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, as, as a Bears fan, when I started off this podcast and kind of gave my thoughts about where the offense was through four games, I used the word gross because – you know, look, they're in terms of yardage, they're 30th in the league. And thanks to the fact that the Miami Dolphins are basically a little league team is, is basically the only reason, you know, they're, they're not sitting there in, in, in dead last place. The Jets are 31st with 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 Falk at quarterback. So, I mean, you're talking about two teams that haven't won a game and are just barely qualifying as NFL teams is the only reason this Bears offense isn't. Uh, you know, isn't last in the league. And I even looked at some projections and sure it's only four games, but the Chicago bears are on pace for 16 touchdown passes and 3,100 yards passing the 85 bears. And yes, I understand great team, but we're talking about a team that was defense and just ran the ball with Walter Payton threw for 3,300 yards as a team and 17 touchdowns. So the offense right now, Yes, I think they can keep, you know, grinding out wins with the defense, but I still say at some point the offense is going to have to be able to put that, put some first downs together, some scoring drives together, and give the defense some, some time to, to rest on the sidelines. Well, I think everything that you just said there is true. They'll get themselves – I believe they can get themselves to the Super Bowl just with the team that they have with Mitchell Dubisky not playing incredibly well. The question is when they get to that Super Bowl, you know, and they're playing a team like the Chiefs that can score on anybody – What's that going to look like? So you're right. You know, if, if they get into a shootout, if the defense has a bad day, they still need to be able to play the game and win the game. And the unfortunate thing for the Bears is they should be talking about home field advantage. If they had better quarterback play, you'd be talking about does everything run through Chicago? So, you know, that's the opportunity they could be losing. All right. Now let, let's move over. Uh, you know, if we're going to preview the game here, let's look at the other side of the football, and that is the Oakland Raiders. Now you are a Raiders fan through, through uh, the positives and what has recently been a lot of negatives. Do you have faith in John Gruden? 
No. Uh, you know, frankly, I haven't had faith in since uh, since the hire. I never really liked the hire, but I think the thing that, that baffles me the most now is that you can't look at the organization and figure out what the direction is. How do you draft a bunch of players when you re- rebuild the entire team and you're drafting around youth and you, say you want character and you want guys that come from quality programs and then in the same summer you sign Antonio Brown, Richie Incognito, and Vontez Perfect. And, in fact, you never protect yourself in case any of these players have issues. Now they've already had, you know, obviously Incognito missed the first two games. Antonio Brown's never, no longer with the team. Vontez Perfect is out for the rest of the year. Frankly, the Raiders don't even have a, a middle linebacker on their depth chart right now. They didn't account for the possibility that Vontez would miss any time, and Markel Lee, their backup, is on injured reserve. So I look at it, there doesn't seem to be a common plan or mindset around how they're trying to build the Raiders. So I don't love what John Gruden's doing, but locked in at 10 years, $100 million fully guaranteed, I don't think the Raiders can afford as an organization to pay him while they pay another coach at the same time. So uh, might as well buckle up. I think he's going to be here for three or four more years, even if he stinks. (laughs) Now, all right, let me let me let me separate this because I'm with you 100%. I mean, look, John Gruden has flushed draft picks down the toilet. He's he's gotten rid of two third-round picks for Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown. I believe was it a fifth-round pick for AJ McCarron? Yep. And another yep. fifth-round pick for Antonio Brown. So he's just giving away draft picks. Now I understand he got some high picks back for Khalil Mack and and um and Amari Cooper. Cooper. But, you know, I think there's a lot of things that you can't build through youth and then sign a bunch of 33-year-olds at the same time. It, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm with you well, 100%. Well, you're right. And, and I do think they've used those draft picks. I mean, Josh Jacobs, I think, early returns. Josh Jacobs looks great. Jonathan Abram looks like he's going to be very good. We don't know on Cleveland Furl yet. But at the same time, it's a team that has wide receiver issues and pass rush issues that they frankly wouldn't have if they hadn't traded a wide receiver and a pass rusher. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a constant debate for Raiders fans. All right, but before we get a little more into the the front office moves, let me separate John Gruden. Do you have faith in John Gruden, the coach? Yes, uh, to a certain yes, I think I do. Talent uh, on the roster, but I think he can get the most out of the team that he has. And sometimes you see this great creative play calling. So maybe it can be there. Uh, I I I believe right now I have faith in him, and frankly, I also have faith in in Derek Carr, the quarterback. You don't. There are times that Derek Carr is maddeningly bad, but there are also times that he's very good, and I think he can be very good. So I need the two of them to grow together. Now, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, Bears fans really like to kind of get on John Gruden and Raiders fans because of that Khalil Mack trade, which you know Bears fans have been basking in for, for 13 months here. But we have, as Bears fans, Bears Twitter, whatever you want to call it, a lot of Raider fans that jump in and go, you don't understand the Raiders' situation. This was the right move for the franchise. You know, I, I don't know if they've been brainwashed or if they're just they've just convinced themselves of it, but... Do you think getting rid of Khalil Mack for, you know, a good haul, two, two first-round picks, now that second-round pick coming back hurts significantly, but do you think that when you're rebuilding the team, as John Gruden said he was going to do, whether you agree with the moves he's made, if you're going to rebuild the team, was trading Khalil Mack the right thing to do at the time? This is difficult because you never trade a Hall of Fame player, so it's going to haunt them forever. I think what happened, though, and to the point of what the logic is, yeah, I understand the logic. I'm not trying to avoid the question. I understand the logic. I'll say this. I think John Gruden got into the facility and looked around and realized that the team was far worse than he thought. And when you really look at the wasted draft picks near the end of the Reggie McKenzie era, he had one good draft. And other than that, they had nothing in the hole. So I think he looked around and he's like, man, I really enjoy these 
couple of ingredients, but I don't have enough to make a cake with. So at some point you got to look at it and say, how do I get enough to make a cake with? And that was going to take mass overhaul. So, you know, I don't know that I love the way the overhaul has been done, but I understand the logic because as was pointed out on ESPN.com, I think at the beginning of the year, I think the number was 16 players were acquired for the money that it would have taken to keep Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. So it's a complete rebuild. They've gone from being the oldest roster in the NFL to being the fourth youngest in a matter of 18 months. So they are completely rebuilding. That was the only logic I think anybody can latch to that makes any sense. All right. Now, now let me ask you one more thing about, about the Mac trade. And I know I've sent you some DMS with some, some Mac gift highlights and stuff. And one of them, you didn't respond to. I was very disappointed that, you know, you just, you just <laughs> ignored, ignored, ignored a, a nice little Khalil Mac highlight, but let's, let's put that aside. Um, so the, 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 the Mac trade, the, the meat of it was the two first round picks, but the second round coming back, I know there were some late round picks and some conditionals and, and all that, but, but put that aside, the meat of the, of that. So, you know, it looks like the bears may have a, you know, a pretty low first round pick and the Raiders could have a, a middle high second round pick. So that, you know, that fr- the upgrade almost from a second round pick to a first round pick may not be as significant. And I know you said that Josh Jacobs' returns look good, but do you have a problem with the idea that the the pick that stands out where there wasn't a second-round kicker coming back, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, with the Cleo Mack, with the Cleo Mack trade, drafted a running back? No, um, you know, I, I, I don't because I think he's going to end up being really special. I do. Um, I don't and, – and at some point, they've got this massive, massive offensive line and their hope is that they can take some of the pressure off of uh, Derek Carr. And, and when you think about where the mindset was around the draft, they signed Tyrell Williams, then they turn around and they acquire Antonio Brown. I mean, how much different do we are we looking at this team today if Antonio Brown doesn't essentially flake? And maybe they should have seen that coming, but frankly, I don't know that anybody could have seen exactly what happened coming. So if we're looking at it saying Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, Josh Jacobs, and Derek Carr, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a formidable offense. So I think that was at least part of the logic was that they were going to be able to address some of the other needs in other places. And uh, Josh Jacobs is going to turn out, I think, to be very good. And at this point, you're talking a mid-first-round pick that you're going to be able to have for five years. And then what do we know about the running back position? You're essentially just going to be able to dump him at that point. So your hope is that you can get something out of him to begin with. So I think the more important thing is what they do with this next year. Are they using that second pick as equity to try and move up and get a quarterback if they need one? That's what we're really going to judge this trade on. All right, couple more here with ESPN's Jason Fitz. And since you brought up Antonio Brown, let's 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 briefly talk about that because look, from from just watching it from the outside, I've never seen anything like what transpired over those that that month, few weeks, whatever it was. It was just especially building up towards the end there. Now, as a Raider fan, when you're watching this happen to your team, what what was your thought process watching the Instagram post, the YouTube posts, the, just everything going back and forth, him not showing up, the frozen foot, everything from start to finish? What was this circus like for you? I think the thought the whole time was let's just get him on the field because once he got to games that counted, the belief was that he was going to be able to contribute, and I still believe that he can contribute. Let's be honest about that. I think you know he's a star player on the field. So the whole time you're thinking, man, if we could just survive whatever this moment is and get there – but, again, I'll put this at the feet of John Gruden. He's the one that's responsible for creating a locker room culture, and he's the one that's supposed to know what his locker room can handle. So he chose to bring Antonio Brown into that culture, thinking that he could manage the personality. If he can't, that lays at the feet of Antonio – or that lays at the feet of John Gruden. You know, and, and, look, the fact that Bill Belichick couldn't make anything work also, 
tells you that maybe this really is a now you have Tomlin, Belichick, and Gruden that have failed with the player in, the, in less than a year. At, at that point, you got to put it on the player. But the maddening part of it is, I, we all know that if he'd actually gotten on the field, we would be we would forget all the rest of it because we'd see action on every Sunday that counts. All right, now you you brought up Derek Carr, and you you seem to be speaking of him pretty positively. And you know, I, I can't say I've watched Derek Carr every every game so far this season. But my one thing with Derek Carr has always been, can he stand in the pocket and deliver the ball? Maybe when the pocket's, you know, getting a little tight, can he stand in and make the throw that that he has to make? And I still think Carr has a tendency to get rid of the ball too quickly. One of these guys who doesn't like pressure. And the Bears obviously are going to bring that Sunday. Is that something Carr is corrected or is that going to be a problem? Uh, that's going to be the biggest issue because you're right. He doesn't handle pressure well. Ever since the injury that knocked him out of his MVP season, he's been skittish in the pocket. When he can deliver the ball on time, when he can get time, he is a great quarterback. I, I truly believe that when he gets time. Against this team, I don't see how he's going to get time, and especially when you factor in the fact that uh, the right guard position is going to be an absolute nightmare for the Raiders, and Colton Miller at left tackle is not ready to handle anything. So uh, their, their offensive line is going to get abused by the Bears' defensive line. That's going to be the key to this game. I don't know how the Raiders are going to score. I think they're going to try and run the ball, you know, as often as possible and do anything they can to just try and slow down the pass rush. And I don't know how they do that, but uh, Darren Waller, the tight end, is going to have to have a big game, and Josh Jacobs is going to get a ton of checkdowns because I don't think uh, I don't think Carr can stand in the pocket long enough to deliver anything. He's going to be skittish for the hit. Yeah, Waller looks like uh, he can play. I've I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's, he's not just good. He's great. And uh, he's, he's a great pass catcher. He's great at finding spots in the zone. He's great at knowing when to sit down. He runs great routes. He is the safety valve for Derek Carr, and he's going to be a star all year long because Derek Carr needs safety valves, and he loves tight ends. I mean, he's going to be great. All right, now, so you, you obviously I, I think you're, you're trending towards the Bears with this selection. Give, give me a little little thought, little score prediction here on the game. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the Bears are going to control it so much the Raiders aren't going to be able to get off the field. Early on, this will be a close game because uh, I don't I don't think that the uh, Bears offense can move the ball the way they'll need to. It will stay close, but as the game grinds on and the Raiders can't pick up first downs, the, a thin defense that doesn't have any depth is just going to be tested to a level they can't handle. Uh, the, the Bears are going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I think they'll have some success there. Uh, this this isn't a close game in my mind. It ends up being somewhere around 20-3, to three and uh, and the, the Raiders take, take it on the – uh, on the nose in this one, and then they try and regroup the group. This is one of those games they've had to have circled on the calendar as a, hey, how do we get through this game and get out of this game? That, that's about all they can ask for here in London. All right, and how many sacks for Khalil Mack? Uh, three. I'll give him three sacks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, there he is, ESPN's Jason Fitz. He's at Jason Fitz. Uh, you catch him everywhere all over ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for coming on, Jason. Really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck to your Raiders the rest of the way starting on Monday the 7th. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the time, and uh, I look forward to some trash talking on Sunday, my friend. Have a great day. All right, see ya. All right, there he is, Jason Fitz, ESPN. Big Raiders fan, so I wanted to get him on there, get that national perspective about Mitch Trubisky, and get his thoughts on on his Raiders. Obviously, you can tell. John Gruden, the GM, he is not a fan of, and, and I don't think you should be. I think a lot of Raiders fans are, because I think they believe in John Gruden, the Monday night football caricature. They don't realize that John Gruden, the GM coach, look, didn't do a lot with Tampa. I get that he won a Super Bowl. He, he won a Super Bowl... 
with Tony Dungy's defense, and that team steadily got worse until he was fired. And now he's coming here to the Raiders, and I think he's made a mess of the situation. Yes, he acquired a bunch of picks, so he got some talent there. But you, as, as we've seen with Ryan Pace's rebuild, it does not take three, four, or five guys for a rebuild and then kind of plugging in the rest with free agency. You, If you're going to rebuild, if you're going to strip the roster down and rebuild, you need to hit on 15, 20 draft picks. And I don't think John Gruden can do that. If he starts letting Mike Mayock make those choices, maybe Mayock can do it. But I still think Gruden is making way too many decisions for the Raiders to have any kind of positive outcome anytime soon. Now, I have to get to the main event today. Now, talking to Jason Fitz was great, but talking to this guy, this is going to be a lot of fun. He is Frank Caliendo. But before we get to Frank Caliendo, let's take a quick break. This is Bears Banter. We'll be back right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He is Frank Caliendo. FrankCaliendo.com has his tour dates. He's actually going to be in Chicago here in just a few days at Zany's. So if you want to try and get tickets, it's sold out. Good luck. But hopefully you can get, get some tickets if you want to go see him. Got a couple co- podcasts, AlanFrank.com, ComicPlayground.com, at Frank Caliendo on Twitter. And he joins us now. Frank, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? Absolutely. Thank you. And I even have an easier way for people to get a hold of uh, my podcast stuff. FrankPods.com brings you to everything, so I've consolidated. Perfect. It's streamlined just just the way we like it. So let, <laughs> let, let, let me jump in on something. You know, I, I want to have some fun with you, but the one thing I want to know is I, I've heard a lot of impressionists who do a fantastic job just like, you know, you, you just hear, wow, that is a spot-on impression of, of whatever celebrity it might be. But to me, impressionists, not only do they need to be spot-on, they need to have really – good material it's not so much just to sound like him you you still have to find a way to be entertaining about it how much of that is like is your process and trying to figure out you know where to take your impressions i actually think it's better to not sound exactly like the person because then you get to have more of a take and a character on them uh like when i do the john gruden stuff well he's actually becoming more me doing him now but uh it's it's finding that not as not going as far as like Dana Carvey did uh, with the George W.H.W. Bush. But, uh, you know, you could do exactly John Gruden man talking like this or you could come and make it uh, 10 times as much and, and do that. You know, the more you get into it and the spider two live banana and that insanity that you feel with him and turn it on and turn the not the dial up. 10 to 12 to 100, whatever. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't figure out what dial it was going to be. What percentage of the dial was I going at, man? I'll tell you what. That's something that my guy Derek Carr figures out uh, on his own, man. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, so, like, so Bears fans in the last 14 months, 13 months, have, ha- have had a lot of fun at John Gruden's expense with the idea of him trading Khalil Mack. So in your experience, you know, if a Bears fan came up to Gruden and started kind of jostling him about trading Khalil Mack, how would Gruden handle that? Hey, what's he done for you lately, man? Is that guy, is he, 
Is he disrupting any quarterbacks? What's he doing, man? I, we don't miss him whatsoever. We got, I think, a sack this year somewhere, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm about offense, not defense. Offense wins championships. Defense, that wins trades, man. <laughs> now, when you want to do it, when you start wanting to do an impression, you hone in on a guy and you start, how do you perfect it? Like, what do you just look to kind of make it an audio caricature? Like, how, how do you perfect the impression? Yeah, and it's all the physical. There's plenty of people who do impressions better than me in terms of the dead on voice, but I think it's finding the take and where do you go with it once you have that take? Uh, because that's, that's what makes it funny and fun. You can, you can surprise somebody with a dead on voice and they'll be like, Oh my, that's incredible. I can't believe how close that is. But then after about 30 seconds, they're bored to death. Like, Hey, what other magic tricks do you have? So if you have a take on somebody for me, you know, going back with like the uh, George W. Bush just trying to, to uh, you know, you know, figure out what the next word was, or the John Madden bumble around and you know talk about things and tell you you're not <laughs> you got them, or the Jim Rome where you're just better than everybody. How great is that? Coming up on the later on the program, Shaquille O'Neal is going to be some kind of crazy, or the Charles Barkley. That's just crazy. I don't understand where you're coming from. Just be honest and call people knuckleheads. <laughs> so it's that kind of stuff that, you know, I take from truth. Uh, Charles Barkley calling, um, uh, what's his name, of the Golden State Warriors, uh, Draymond Green, when he's talking to Draymond Green, I want to punch Draymond Green in the face. When he said that, people were like, what, what in the world? But it, so many people were thinking it, but his apology was, was even better because he could live with it. He does things, he's like Teflon, you know, everything slides off of him. But it's that type of thing where, uh, Barkley goes on television and says, I apologize for recognizing that Draymond Green has such a punchable face. That's not an apology. That's a cheat code. And Charles Barkley has it ready to go at all times. So that to me, it's finding the take. What's interesting about the person. And, um, you know, for me in stand up, trying to talk, uh, you know, actual, uh, uh, you know, game, in, you know, stuff, I like to take things and make them fish out of water. That's why the announcers work so well. Uh, when you do, uh, you know, impression of an analyst, what do they do? They break down game footage and, and uh, you know, during the games, the color person does that. And then you just bring that and put that into real-life situations. And those two things juxtaposed together are what makes it interesting and funny. And that's what your take is on a lot of, uh, you know, for especially a lot of the uh, – Announcer type people, not announcers, but the color analysts. That's that's what's a lot of fun. Now, now I saw you. You know, I I mean, I've seen you a few times, but the, I saw you. I, don't, I think it was you know 13, 14 years ago. You know, you you were popular, but you hadn't. I don't think blown up to the level you were now. And I had no idea you did a Jim Rome impression. And and you're you're doing your impressions and you're going through your stand up and then all of a sudden you did something kind of the effect of you know maybe only 25 people in the entire audience get this but basically here's Jim Rome and you just go into a Jim Rome I and of course I'm one of the 25 people what, however you pose it, it was so funny and so spot on and that's thing you know I was exp I, I knew George Bush was coming and I knew John Madden was coming and and you just you totally blindsided me with Jim Rome and it was it was so funny yeah it's the weird ones that make that that, that people like the most the Adam Schefter's recorded my sources at this particular time it appears that tom brady was sneezing but it's just his allergies don't worry he's not catching a cold he's going to be just fine but at his age 
there might be difficulty in him surviving. Now that I realize this, I'm going to get on my phone and talk to everybody I know in the contiguous United States, some people outside of it, and try and figure out if Tom Brady, with the sniffles, will actually make it to the game on Sunday. This is important. I'll be back with more information sooner than later. Hopefully, Mort, over to you. <laughs> now, now, do you you have anyone in the hopper that you're working on that you might be able to tease a little bit that you really may, haven't debuted yet? In, it's you know sports uh, you know, figures. I've just been messing around on the podcast. One of my one of my buddies been doing Collinsworth. We've been doing Al Michaels and Collinsworth a little bit. Uh, we're both kind of uh, my my Al Michaels is just uh, I never say you don't say the word ball you just say football. What I don't know what his accent is, but it's his own personal Michaels dialect. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. And he just comes back with yeah, Al, that kind of thing. But I've been working on a, a little bit um, of a Saban, Nick Saban, but it's so boring that it doesn't do anything yet. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I almost did it there. It's just kind of, you know, you just kind of have a Muppet voice or so those a little little bits of them, but they take me time to to get into them. I, uh, that's one thing that when I start working them and they're newer, it's that you don't have the muscle memory yet. Like the the voices, so it's like trained, so it can just happen. When it's old school, like a Morgan Freeman, I could just break into it in a second. I want, but for some of the other stuff, it takes me a second to to really uh, ground myself and get composure, and then figure out, okay, this is how I do it. And then after a few months, it's just like nah, I can spit it out whenever I want. All right. Well, I, I know you're busy and I know you don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to I'll finish up with this. And again, frankcaliendo.com. If you want the tour dates, he's, he's going to be in at Zany's in Chicago next week. He's got another one coming up in Wisconsin for the local Chicago guys. But the Bears are playing the Raiders. They call it the Khalil Mack Bowl. So if you were going to break this down, you can use any one or or numerous guys that you want. If you can, kind of gave us the analysis of Bears Raiders, the, the floor is yours. I'll tell you what, man, I would look out for Khalil Mack. I've seen him on the inside. I know what he can do, man. They call this the Khalil they call this what the Khalil Bowl, the Mack Bowl, the, the Khalil Mack Bowl. I'll tell you what, I I'm looking at that and wondering if Mark Davis has just got the the bowl for his haircut, man. How about me? That's the that's the bowl we should be worried about. You, I mean, talk about it. I almost went with a uh, for no reason whatsoever. I went to the uh, uh, Mel Kiper Jr. Could think of my name. How ridiculous is that? Breaking down the game without actually talking about the game. <laughs> Maybe that's because guys like Mitchell Trubisky are out right now. But Derek Carr, I'll tell you what, man, Derek Carr, he's more of an SUV than a car, man. Get him riled up, man. It's going to be a special game right here. Spider 2, why bananas in my case. According to my sources, at this particular time, it appears that I will never get to the information I'm supposed to say and off to Jake Glazer. I didn't even know I was going to be here. Did Jake Glazer Why would you do that? Hey, did you hear about that uh, viral video I had with Demi Lovato? I'm incredible. I'm on my way to work. I'm working out. I'm on my way to work. I'm on my way to work out. I don't, know, I don't even know that's real. I just said it. And then you think, boom, I don't even know what just happened. <laughs> there he is, Frank Caliendo, joining the podcast. Frank, thanks so much for getting on. And where can the guys get all your streamlined podcasts again? Uh, FrankPods.com. It's going to be eventually all down to the Caliendo cast is what I'm, uh, and just different types of them. But uh, FrankPods.com will bring you right to there. Awesome stuff, Frank. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. There he is, Frank Caliendo.
That was a lot of fun. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sure you heard me chuckling in the background there. Frank. Frank is a blast. I've seen him a few times in person. Love all his bits. I mean, so many of uh, Morgan Freeman, John Madden. The list goes on and on. And like I said, I I love his Jim Rome impersonation. I think it's it's absolutely hysterical. And that that bit there when he went through all of them at the end. That was a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed that. So let's uh, let's move on here. It's time for the Raiders game. I think this is going to be another positive outlook for the Bears because I think this defense is going to dominate the Raiders. I don't think John Gruden's going to be able to figure it out. Khalil Mack has had this game circled for basically a year and a half since he knew he was going to get traded from the Raiders. So I am looking forward to this one. I still think the offense is going to struggle because I don't think they have found their identity yet. But I do think the Raiders are going to have no success offensively. I uh, called this on Windy City Gridiron, 19 to three, a Chicago Bears victory, and that would be huge if they could be four and one into the bye. They need to get a little healthy here; they're a little banged up. So four and one into the bye, especially after that loss to the Packers, every single Bears fan obviously would every single Bears fan would sign up for four and one before the Packer game, and obviously they're all signing up for that after the Bears game, after the Packers game. So that's gonna do it for Bears banter. Bill Zimmerman here. Hopefully, we'll be coming at you with another Chicago Bears victory next week. So we'll talk to you then. Bear down, everybody. Bear down.